Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to After the Game, a, a conversation with my dad. My name is Spencer. Hey, and I'm Barry. Welcome to this episode about the first round of the NBA playoffs. All games are in the books as we close it out tonight, the uh, 23rd of May, but we're turning into the 24th here on the East Coast. I'm in Connecticut, and Spencer, you are where? Southern Utah. So, Southern Utah, coast to coast. Yeah. Got it covered coast to coast. So, uh, game tonight, we're big Utah Jazz fans, so we cover the Jazz first, and tonight, a heartbreaker in Salt Lake City, Utah, a loss to the Memphis Grizzlies, the number eight seed beating the number one seed um, by three points uh, tonight, and just a heartbreaker to the Utah Jazz. Spencer, any opening thoughts on tonight's game? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack from this game, but to make it simple, Memphis played well, Utah did not. I mean, it's fun to watch an upset happen, especially in the NCAA brackets, but it really looked like an NCAA game tonight just because of how scrappy and how almost garbage everything was the, pretty much the whole game. Lots of loose balls, lots of just random shots, lots of just almost amateur-type basketball that you'd walk into at, like, your local Y. But overall, not a good performance by the Jazz. Even though we only lost by two, it was still not uh, – I just didn't think that it was a great game overall. Yeah, a tough night for the Jazz. I mean, um, they went up big early, though, in that f- end of the first, start of the second quarter. They got up by 13, 14 points. Looks like they were going to, you know, punch them in the mouth and be able to take over and get this series off on the right foot. And then the Memphis Grizzlies, I think what, they went on a 17-2 to two run, but I think a 27-7 to seven run to end the first half, and they were up by six going into – into halftime and it uh it just felt like you know the air went out of the building the jazz weren't really sure what what hit them there for a little bit and then it just kind of continued into the second half um kind of two halves tail two halves here you had Bogdanovich who scored no points zero points in the first half and came out and uh, ended up with 29 points I think he scored 20 in the fourth quarter to bring him all the way back and almost have a chance to win the game, but just a poor shooting night for the Jazz as they, uh, I think they went 12 for 44. I'd have to check the exact stat here from the three-point line. And when the Jazz do that, it's hard for them to win. We talked about in our other podcast, just like how the Jazz, the, the game that they need to play in order to win. And they did the complete opposite of that. They had a bunch of turnovers. They had missed shots from the three. They had unconfident shots, which is big. And they just didn't seem like they were out to get the win. And it's sad to see a technical great team just not have confidence because the playoff basketball is just different basketball. And you could just see the Jazz were not confident. The Memphis Grizzlies saw right away that the Jazz can lead, even though they're the number one team, they're not invincible. And they're like, look, we can take these guys out. And they just attacked. Jay Morant and Dylan Brooks just had a field day. it's, It's hard enough to guard Morant as is but it made it even more hard for, for our defense to kind of pick up both of them having light, light out nights. And so I think yeah, that was Spencer, a big key right there. Yeah, I'm going to pick up on a word you said twice there, and that's confidence. As this game kind of, uh, kind of swung back to Memphis, their confidence grew and grew and grew. And you give a lot of confidence to a player like Dylan Brooks, it's, it's like, over and and he got rolling he got rolling in the third his post-game interview he said no one could guard me I'm sure that'll be 
bounced around the locker room of the Utah Jazz. So Dylan Brooks just got on a roll and they were confident. Um, you know, listen, it, that's what an eighth seed can come in and do to a one seed. They can play loose. They have nothing to lose. They are the underdog. These guys have actually, there was a comment I heard during the broadcast that made sense. These guys have been playing playoff basketball for about two weeks. They had to fight and claw themselves into the play-in. They got into the play-in and then they played themselves against the Spurs and the Warriors into the playoffs. So they've been in playoff mode for a couple of weeks. Well, the Jazz have actually, Kosti isn't the right word, but they haven't been playing tough for a while. And then you had six days off and um, boy, they walked right into it. Had a chance to win this game. I mean, no excuses for the Jazz. They just got beat tonight by the Memphis Grizzlies. True. Rusty, uh, rusty versus rested. I guess that's how the saying goes. And I think because early, right before the game, I got news that Mitchell was going to play. And so I was like, okay, we're back to normal. We're back to our winning team. Even though we've had a good run without him, we still got our all-star back. And so we're going to play well. And then at the last second, it was, it came out that he wasn't playing. And so you could talk about being prepared or not being prepared, but it's hard as a coach for Quinn Snyder to, to put together a strategy and then have to rechange that strategy just because your star player all of a sudden needs a little bit more time or, or isn't looking good in the pregame shootout. So it, you can, you can say, I mean, my takeaway from this game is anything that could have gone wrong kind of went wrong. They had Mitchell's coming into play. Then he also wasn't playing. That hurt the morale of the team. And then they start off playing okay, but you gave too much confidence to a team that really has nothing to lose, the Memphis Grizzlies, and they just took advantage of that and just went all the way out. I mean, Jazz didn't have – really didn't play well at all. I think Conley was the only good player that, that put up some good numbers, and he hit some good shots, but he wasn't really making any shots. Ingles had a really quiet night. Gobert did play well. He fouled out with about six or seven minutes left in the game, but honestly, the way Morant was playing and the way Brooks was playing, it almost didn't really make a difference having him in or not because – those two together made it very hard to guard. And so it was just, it was just a struggle the whole game for us to contain them. And then our, our threes and our confidence came back a little too late and that's how the game went. Yeah. You, you, you said something that, that I think is important for those listening to hear Mitchell was scheduled to play for a good 24, 48 hours. And so, yeah, you're, you're making that game plan. And then it's almost like, you know, a few hours before game time and, and, and he's a scratch. Even on the TNT pre-show, Ernie Johnson, who rarely makes a misstep, one of the best in the business said, hey, and they'll have Donovan Mitchell back tonight. And then Charles Barkley says, no, that's not what I'm hearing. And so there was even a little confusion there. And so you can imagine how, how you're drafting the game plan. You're right though, you started to cover a little bit of some of the stats and, and the jazz, just a really quiet night. This is one that stuck out to me. Now, for those who follow the Jazz, O'Neal does not put up big stats. I get it. So where I'm going with this is the stats generally don't tell the story of how Royce O'Neal plays. But tonight, quite frankly, 37 minutes, three points, five rebounds, three assists, one for six um, from the field, which included one for three from three point. So just a really, really quiet night. And Ingles, even though he had 11 points, that was like he I can't even really remember him being on the floor. Yeah. Now, Bogdanovich comes out and just like I said at the start of our show, really, really brought the team back and had a chance to win. And, um, you know, a couple more things, and I'll let you comment on these two things. Clarkson's game, not great. No. I, we, we bantered back and forth on text uh, before our show. Um, we got to look this up, but he does not hit a three. So his 
three-point made streak ends tonight unless you don't count the playoffs. So just got to figure that out. And then uh, one player who did play well, whose game was actually wasted in a good game, and I say wasted, meaning he played so well, you wish it would have happened in a win, was Derek Favors, who had 12 points and 11 rebounds. So he actually played well in Gobert's absence to a degree, but late in the game, John Moran took advantage of Rudy not being in the paint and uh, scored at will on two or three possessions. Morant played one of the best floater games I've seen in a long time. What I mean by that is he was able to get in the paint just a little bit in that kind of no man's territory where unless you're Gobert, you're going to score. You're going to score on that opponent. And so he would get in and, and Babers, like you said, he had a great game offensively. He even made an impact defensively, but for some reason, Morant just figured it out. And this, this is scary for me, just knowing that he figured this out in game one that if he can get by his defender, he got, he has the handles. He even like turned Conley around at least once. And he was able to get to the, that kind of no man's line from the, between the free, the free free throw line and the hoop where the center either has to make a choice to commit or play his man. And he was just making floaters there all night. And, and so it was tough to get a run going, knowing that Morant or even Dylan Brooks was going to score no matter what, when they brought the ball back. Yeah. Trying to get the stops. You, you make a you make a great a great point there. I mean, these guys in the backcourt, um, Morant and Brooks, kind uh, combined for fifty seven. Wow. Ingles and Conley for thirty three. I mean, Conley played a, a, a solid game too. You know, um, there, there's one thing about John Morant which is very interesting for a young player, a second year player. Even with his speed and his athleticism, he's very controlled when he gets into the key and he's very crafty and just kind of waits for that moment where he can burst and lay it in. And it was on full display against the Warriors in the playing game Mm -hmm. and really came to life about the last eight minutes of this game that that stung the Jazz. Um, That said, you know, the Jazz were down, I think, 15 after Jaron Jackson hit a three-point shot. He blocked Clarkson and came back and hit a three. And, and it looked like it was out of reach. Quite frankly, the Jazz playing not so great. And to have a chance to win gives me confidence of a Jazz fan. All right, well, that one's out. Got it out of our system. We now need to come back and really, you know, do better, shoot better. We shoot one more three better, it's a tie game. You mm-hmm. make one more three than that, you win the game. And um, I, I think that there's still a great, great possibility for the Jazz to come back. But you've got to get them early in game two. If you let them have the confidence that they had tonight, it's going to be a, a real struggle to even get game two. Well, how do you kind of – those are great points. How do you kind of reconcile for the fact that we lost almost home court advantage? Because we played hard to – we won the most games out of 72 games, and now we don't have kind of the perks of winning those games. Yeah, you have to you have to go out and get this game too, and and um, and obviously, right? Stupid statement, but you've got to go out and get this game too. You've got to get the crowd back, and then you've got to go into Memphis and steal one. Those are the common things that you're going to hear. Um, listen, we are a mature team. This is the second youngest team in the NBA in Memphis. I think the Timberwolves are only younger than them. At some point, if you lay the hammer down, this team is going to struggle to uh, to really take a, a, a shot here in the right. playoffs. But, you know, l- listen, finishing up a little bit here on these stats, I know that we've had just a phenomenal, you know, two days of basketball that we can get to. But, um, but again, for the Jazz, solid game for favors. 
Um, nice second half for Bogdanovich. He, if he does anything in the first half, we probably get this win. Gobert, 11 points, 15 rebounds. Um, but I can't remember the last time he fouled out, and it was early, like you said, six, seven minutes left in the game when he fouled out. Right. And I'm actually, I just got news. It's a little bit off topic, but apparently Gobert just said he was shocked to find out that Mitchell wasn't playing and that throws you a bit off for his words. So, I mean, yeah, you, you called it out a minute ago, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you plan, you expect, you almost rely on something to happen. And when it doesn't happen, yeah, you, you are expected to, to make what you can happen, but it still throws you off. So it was hard not having Gobert in the game. I mean, it's going to be a little bit trickier now that Morant knows how to kind of play his game, it, it almost looked like what Chris Paul does, which is really annoying. I don't, as a Jazz fan, I don't like that. But Niang played okay. He he struggled a little bit defensively. He was on Morant for some of the time he was in. So I didn't. I wasn't too upset with him. He had seven points, three rebounds, and two assists. Big, big night for favors, though, like we are talking about, 12 points, 11 rebounds. Um, Clarkson, I mean, it makes me super sad that he did not hit that, his three. I don't know how the streak works, but still, I was, I was hoping he'd at least get his one. I think he missed eight or how many did he miss? Yeah, he didn't, he didn't look good. He looked like he, he and was throwing the ball away too, which is kind of a sign of unconfident. Uh, he was just, sometimes he catches the ball and, and you can tell, you can almost feel it when somebody, when a player catches the ball and they have the chance to shoot it and they don't, and they think I should have shot that. And then they throw the ball away. And that happened maybe three or four times with Clarkson. It happened with Ingles. It even happened with uh, Bogey in the first half. And then Conley often ran down to go lay it in and then changed his mind and just kind of threw it, hoping somebody would get it and just turnovers. I mean, we could talk about the game all night and how we wish things went certain ways. But at the end of the day, they at least fought hard to get back. Wasn't enough. Could have Could have been enough if they played hard at the beginning, but it was a little too much, a little too late. So yeah, absolutely. Still believe in this team. Still believe that we can uh, we can go get a win. Listen, Dylan Brooks, in my mind, is not going to score thirty one another game no. of this series. So there it is. It's, That's the it's thing. on the podcast. I don't see how that guy goes out and gets another thirty one on us. And that's going to be the difference if we can just control mm-hmm. him. And you and you've just got to match his intensity. And I think the Jazz will. I think we got we got pop tonight. And so. Uh, we just so we'll can't be soft. I just hate how soft we get sometimes. It's just like I think Conley, just to take away something from the game too. I think he got headbutted by by Brooks. No one really talked about it, but like I think we saw it. Like it was zoomed in on Conley. At least the shot was, and it literally looked like Brooks headbutted him in the in the shoulder and in the or in the chin. And Conley, I mean, obviously he's a composed player. He's not going to retaliate. He's just a nice guy. But at some point, the Jazz have to not be soft. And so, I don't know, maybe it's going to be a, a news story or not, but, I mean, if it isn't, at least you heard it, that I saw Dylan Brooks headbutt Conley in the jaw. And I wasn't okay with that, but it seemed like everybody else was. Yeah, listen, the, the Jazz will play tough. So, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I think that's just maturity and calmness, and, uh, and, and we'll play our game and, and come back. I mean, that if, if, if we retaliate in a situation like that, then they, they get what they want. So... Um, but what an amazing, let's uh, pivot a little bit and go around the league and look at what happened the first game of each series as uh, we had just an amazing weekend in mm-hmm. what took place and, and, uh, and what happened. So headed over to the East, the one seed in Philly took care of the Wizards. Um, 
and lead that series. Then you had the two seven Brooklyn took care of that one where they beat the Celtics, mm-hmm. um, the three, six that all went that way. So it was uh, Milwaukee beating Close. Miami and the only upset in the seeds in the East was the New York Atlanta game, which was a tremendous game at Madison Square Garden. A lot of excitement um, seeing an old jazz man and Alec Burks just play his heart out and really take that game down to the wire. And Trey, Trey Young, he did a great shot to, uh, to win that game. So just exciting games in the East. So only one different seed winning there uh, that was uh, not on top. So the Hawks come out and beat the Knicks. Yeah, it almost even could have been two with um, – with Miami beating Milwaukee, that game went into overtime, right? And so that game was fun. I mean, Butler's out to win, and he doesn't like hearing no. And Giannis is one of the best players in the league right now, but sometimes he gets soft in the playoffs. And so it was an interesting matchup there. But at the end of the day, the Bucks put away Miami. Yeah, Chris Middleton hits a game winner, and uh, that was a, that was thrilling to see that as, as the game ones kind of rolled on and and uh, the Bucks held serve there and then um you know philly just i think a little just a little too much for washington and then brooklyn i think i saw a stat with irving harden and uh, durant they they like 84 89 i think it's like 84 89 percent of the scoring not points but assists and scoring combined from those three so holy cow they in and of themselves could have went three on five and maybe maybe won that game yeah I mean we've all been waiting for this moment I guess as just NBA fans to see what three of the best players in the league can do when they play together and now we're starting to see what they can do and it's going to be hard to fathom the fact that they're going to be out there waiting for whoever makes it to the finals but they definitely can play and everybody on the team knows their role and they just know that, Hey, listen, these three are the ones that are gonna have the ball in their hands. If one of them doesn't make it, we'll go to the other. And so they kind of showed that it was kind of close at the game, but then the Celtics gave them a good run. But in the fourth quarter, I think you, I mean, you got three of the best players you're matched up against. If one of them is hot, it's over. So that's what happened. And they ended up losing by going down by 15 or so. Yeah. I listen, the, the Nets are a team to reckon with and a team to beat. It will be fun to see how the East plays out and see if these three great players, these Hall of Famers to be, can, can win a championship. It's going to be a lot of fun watching it. You know, the Celtics put up a fight. In the end, those, those, those three uh, somewhat. You think, they'll down, so. you think they'll sweep the Celtics? Uh, I, I always struggle saying some team's going to sweep or some team's not going to sweep. So, gosh, man, I, I think so. You just don't know in the playoffs when you go on the road, you make a mistake and Tatum gets hot or, uh, you know, they, you know, Marcus Smart plays his rough game or Kemba Walker plays well. I think they could get a game. Um, just maybe, for fun then, do you think any team can sweep a series? Uh, I, I'm stuttering because you got to ask me after game two and then I'm halfway there. Um, fair enough, fair sure, enough. I, sure. Do I think the Nets can sweep? Sure. I think the Nets can sweep. Do I think that Philly can sweep the Wizards? Yes. That's a oh, 1-8. You heard a year, everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it'll be, it'll be fun to see. And, and, um, and I think the East will be great. Again, I go back to a game that I, I, I thought was just terrific 
the garden was rocking. The cool. Knicks played well. They had him down the stretch. Derek Rose played really well. I'm so excited to see him come off the bench and play well for the Knicks. And yet Trey Young composed, got to a spot, was able to hit a game winner. Um, he really controlled the pace of play for the Hawks. Uh, the other Bogdanovich hit a big three for the Atlanta Hawks and just fun to see playoff basketball back at Madison Square Garden. I think after like a seven year hiatus and they had a lot of fans in that building tonight. So that was a lot of fun. Spike Lee was going nuts. I love when Spike Lee gets into the games. It's always, it's always makes it fun. And you got to give credit to, to an all-star when they perform. We, we sometimes forget how, or sometimes it's underrated how, how good all-stars are when they make those shots. So I got to give credit to Trey Young. Obviously, that's what his role is as an all-star is to make that last shot. But if he hadn't made it, then everybody would be hating on him right now. But since he did make it, it doesn't really seem like everybody's giving him the credit that he deserves. I don't know. But I just feel like, hey, listen, this guy, he made that shot. And that's what matters. And that's what he's paid to do. And it's, But it goes beyond that and how difficult that actually is. It, most people don't really understand. And I certainly don't. But at least I can give credit where it's due. And, and I think he, he held it together in a stadium that was rocking with Knicks fans and he silenced the crowd. He even was telling everybody to be quiet after he made it and that he had ice in his veins, which I guess he does because he made the shot. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, we played the Hawks this year and I think Gobert shut down Trey Young and not shut him down is a harsh word, but uh, he didn't play really well against us. Um, but got to give him his due. Uh, great shooter and, uh, and help this team win. We'll swing to the West really quick. Clearly, we know what happened in the 1-8 matchup, which we've mm-hmm. already featured tonight with our Jazz. Uh, the 2-7 was a, was a barn burner with um, uh, Phoenix handling it to, to the Lakers. LeBron James walked briskly off the court today after being beat. Um, Booker having an, another great game just out of this world. You have the 3-6 matchup um, that Portland took from Denver. Uh, so just a great game by Damian Lillard and, and handed that to Denver. And then you had Dallas taking care of business. Uh, or I'm sorry, beating L.A. So three of the four series in the West were won by the lower seed. The only one who took care of business was Phoenix. So staying on the Phoenix-L.A. game, um, we can talk about the game and the play of Booker and Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton just was out of this world and helped kind of stave off that all-star cast of, of the Lakers. But I believe that Chris Paul tweaked a nerve. I don't know if it'll linger into the next game, but he was not the same, which kind of could have an effect on the Suns if he still is, is, uh, is a little injured going into game two. That's an interesting take. Obviously, he came back in the game and, and finished out the game after he hurt himself. But he is kind of, I mean, he's not young anymore. So, I mean, everybody knows your body doesn't recover as quick or as easily as it used to when you're older. But he still is a, he wants a championship. And like we said in other podcasts, he's one of the one, he's one of the players out there who knows his window is closing and he's going to try to take the, the most advantage of it as he can. And so I don't see him, I, 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 don't, I don't know how to say it, but I guess the heart overpowers kind of the, the physical ability of it. And, and I think he has the heart to, to get through this physical injury and not let it have that much of an impact on him. And he's just going to power through it. And I, I did see that Davis didn't play as well as people wanted him to. And so that was interesting too. And, and a lot of people are saying, oh, well, we don't need Davis because we only need him for the finals and for maybe one other game. And LeBron can get us there. 
as long as LeBron gets us there, then Davis can turn on and, 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 and win. So I don't know, but to answer your question, I, I don't think the injury will hurt Chris Paul as much um, just because he, he has the, the, the willpower to get through a physical injury at this stage in his career. If it's not. Yeah. That. Great point. And, and we mentioned it the other night on our broadcast uh, and, and you could run through every team and say this, but the window is definitely closing on Chris Paul's career which means he doesn't have a lot of time to go get that championship. Probably the most, I mean, James Harden on the other side with the Nets, and you can talk about Paul George and, and all that, but, but Chris Paul, definitely one who needs to go get a championship. His stat line um, was a little light because I think of that injury, seven points, four rebounds, eight assists, but he played 36 minutes. Um, even though that's was down a little bit from the others, but he was able, able to orchestrate. You mentioned Anthony Davis. Um, 38 minutes, almost 39 minutes. So he played a lot of time, 13 points, seven rebounds and two assists. Not, not a great game for Anthony Davis. And you got to give it, you got to give it to DeAndre Ayton who had 21 points mm -hmm. and 16 rebounds and really clogged up the middle and played a tough game against Andre Drummond and against Anthony Davis. So uh, the Phoenix Suns, take care of business in the West, the only top seed to win uh, the first game of their series, and they are good. And uh, as much as a jazz fan might not like Chris Paul, just because he's kind of been that stickler to us in, in a lot of ways, even though we beat the Clippers when he was there, um, you know what? You got to recognize great talent. Someone who guts it out, comes out, orchestrates a win, and, uh, you know, helps his young talent and Booker get a win against the Lakers. Yeah, Chris Paul is definitely coach of the year, if you ask me. I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, but do you do you think the Lakers could win games without Anthony Davis? Or is he that much of an impact on the team? Or, like, does LeBron's abilities surpass their need for Anthony Davis? Oh, you, you need Anthony Davis. Uh, you know, LeBron is one of the greats top five probably if you debate that all day but Anthony Davis is the one who wins you series and helps you the championship uh, uh, Drummond is good but you if, if you said hey Davis is hurt he's not coming back and you gave you know them a couple of games to figure it out maybe maybe but you need Anthony Davis that you go back into last year in the bubble even though LeBron at an old age is still playing lights out Anthony Davis is the one that helped him win that championship, no doubt. Great. So let's move on to the um, Mavs versus the um, the Clippers. What do you think of that game? Well, listen, Luka Doncic is a remarkable player. Yeah. Another triple-double, um, pulls his team to victory, methodically does what he does in games, and uh, beats the Clips, right? I mean, the Clippers, again, we talk about windows. Kawhi's won it. He played hard. He played well. But I wonder, when you won a few championships, where is the hunger, right? And, it, and, it, and th that team really needs Paul George to play well. So I've said a couple of things there. Um, again, being a Jazz fan and you watch guys like Chris Paul or Luka Doncic hand it to us, but they are great players. And if you, if, if you like the NBA and you're passionate about the NBA, you got to applaud what Luca did 
in that first game of that series. Yeah, so Leonard played well that game. I mean, you talk about what is he playing for. I mean, he still put up 26 points and 10 rebounds, five assists, even four steals that game. And Paul George didn't play bad. I'm just – I mean, he had 23 points, six rebounds, five assists. But I'm just waiting for the Paul George that we've been promised by himself that he would be, and he just isn't. And so it's kind of frustrating. I mean, I don't really care because I'm not a huge L.A. fan, but I just – I expected more out of Paul George. And Luka Doncic is trying to prove himself in a league, and so he's going to be bringing it to them. And it doesn't seem like Leonard or George really care about proving themselves because they already feel like they have – and it is true across all athletes that once they already accomplish what they what their main goal is, their abilities for, throughout the rest of their career kind of decline. I mean, Jordan and Kobe are anomalies because they they just have hearts that are built different. But if you look at overall, a lot of times athletes tend to decline in their career after they start after they've proven themselves. And Luka Doncic hasn't proven himself with a ring, and so he's on the on up and coming, and looks like. Leonard and, and George are kind of heading out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, these guys make a lot of money. They're all winners. They've won somewhere along the line, whether it's AU or high school or college or someplace. So they probably wouldn't be where they are. Um, we'll see. I mean, it's game one. I mean, yeah. Game. Listen, the, the the Clippers still. It's game one, and and maybe that comment, Spence, is probably the biggest comment to take away from this episode. Is it's game one, and it's how much do we really lead into all of this? You know, tune in for the game two recaps. It's probably the answer, and then that's why you asked me a minute ago who can sweep, right? And being a pundit and being somebody on a podcast, I should say, oh, you do this, you do that, and I can be flamboyant and sell that. You know what? I, I really want to see what game two brings. And then you start saying, oh, my gosh, there is a possibility of a sweep here because somebody's got their number. But um, a lot of close games, actually, even though there were some double digit games, I didn't ever there wasn't a 30 point blowout in these in these games. I wonder if we're going to see that somewhere along the line in game two uh, over the next couple of days. Right. Some teams might start waking up and start realizing what type of opponent they're against. And that could just be a blowout for, for teams. And, and we could talk about the Denver Trailblazers game. I mean, obviously there's some players there that are just phenomenal and they're going to be playing as hard as they can. And a lot of these players are high scoring teams and, and they're going to, they're going to bring it. Yeah. You, you know, you've got to give it to Damian Lillard, 34 points, a couple rebounds, 13 assists. He hung in there, willed his team to win. They beat the Denver Nuggets who, you know, they they have the MVP. We talked about this in our last podcast that Jokic is the MVP. He had 34 points and 16 rebounds and uh, did everything he could to get his team to win. But it's fun. Portland's probably playing some of the best basketball as you come into these playoffs. They finished the regular season strong. So it goes back to something we said a minute ago about the Grizzlies jazz game. The Grizzlies have been somewhat in playoff mode for two weeks or more. Right. And the, the Trailblazers the same way, because what they were trying to do is they were trying to say, I don't want to be in that seventh seed. I don't want to be in the play-in. Help me get to the sixth seed or the fifth seed. And so they were somewhat in that playoff mode as well. And that is showing mentality. That is showing in these game ones for a couple of these teams how they've already been with that mindset, that edge. Uh, and you know what? It's going to take some of these other teams, or I should say our Utah Jazz, to, to, to pick up their rear end and really play hard uh, now that, they, that the thing has started.
it's hard to stop a train once it starts moving. And it looks like there's teams out there that have already started moving and it's going to be hard to stop them. But I, but like you said, it's just game one. We can kind of breathe on that knowing that this is a seven game series and hopefully it doesn't even have to be seven games. Hopefully this is just a wake up call. Hopefully it's just something that we can learn from and not, and not be worried. Um, I know Shaq is definitely happy that Utah lost this first game because he had a big smile on his face as a, maybe I don't want to call him out, but he doesn't really seem to, to appreciate the jazz uh, organization. And so, but yeah, I mean, you make a good point. Some of these teams are already moving and and now it just takes for the other teams that have kind of been walking into the walking during the end of the season to start running again. Yeah. I'm going to make two last comments and I'll let you finish up Uh, one uh, about a month or two ago when the jazz were hitting a tough spot. And I've said this before in our podcast, But Dwayne Wade said on TNT one night, he says, there's a difference between being the hunter and the hunted. Mm. The hunter, like the Memphis Grizzlies, that's fun. That's exciting. You've got nothing to lose. You're out there hunting. When you're the hunted, who the Jazz have been for over 100 days during the season as the number one team in the league, and then the number one seed, the mentality is different. And you've got to be able to win. The other comment was made by the legend Isaiah Thomas, of the Detroit Pistons when he said, I just don't know if the Jazz can win it because I don't think they're feared. I don't think that there's that swagger. I'm not really sure if they've got the chutzpah to do it. Now, he didn't come right out and say they don't have it all together. He just said, I'm not sure. And we saw that get a little exposed tonight. The two things I just said, Memphis was hunting and they didn't fear the Jazz for some moments in there and somehow the jazz have to realize let us be the hunter now that we're down one game and let us have that swagger and confidence excellent point i i agree too and i think the jazz are gonna have to realize that and like i like we were saying earlier they they need to be a little bit more hard and 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 it, and because memphis has nothing to lose and they're just gonna be bringing it no matter what each game so yeah but it was good to see the fans. It was fun watching Jazz awesome. play at their stadium. That that definitely helped. And it was I would fear Bogdanovich at the end of the game. I wish he played like that the whole game, but at least at the end of the game, you could kind of see a little bit of fear in in, in Memphis's eyes as they're like, "Wow, are we gonna lose this game that we just completely dominated?" And and they almost did, but but that's because Bogdanovich turned it on a little late. I read this one tweet where it's like all the itches in the, in the league are the scariest, like Bogdanovich, you got, um, you got, Luke, yeah, you got Luca, you got uh, Nurkic on, <laughs> on Portland. They're, all the itches are scary out there. So we'll see. Just game well. one. With that said, you can't just pretend like it didn't happen. You got to learn from it and you got to realize, Hey, listen, we didn't win the game for a reason. Now let's go out and change that. Yep. Yep. All good. Well, on to game twos. Yep. All right. Well, let's let's make it happen. Is it Wednesday? Is that the next game? Uh, great question. I've been so wrapped up in what's what's going on. I haven't really checked uh, when game two is. Let's see here really quick uh, what we have. Um, yeah, it looks like the Jazz don't play game two until until Wednesday. Yep. Wednesday at. Uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern, so I'll be eight mountain time. Great. So that means we'll be able to see all the game twos across the league and have a little bit more clarity on where this is going. 
Yeah, so we'll see uh, we'll see everybody Wednesday on this podcast. Make sure you subscribe and have it locked in so that uh, we can make it happen uh, after the game. Make sure you listen to it, share it with your friends. It'll be a lot of fun as we go throughout these playoff series, not only for the Jazz, but uh, just in great NBA basketball. Let's go. All right. Well, thanks, Dad. All right. Good night. Good night.